this morning, you have the opportunity to chat with me. If you have questions about Christ Church, what makes us tick, and how you can become more involved, I'd be happy to answer any questions you have over there. On October 20th, uh, we have our Harvest Fair. This is going to be an amazing time to bring the family together, and even more so if you want to invite a friend or a neighbor. It'll be great fun for the whole family. No admission at all. You can bring your lunch. There'll be food trucks on site, rides, games, activities, and a talent show. And I will say that as the first person who signed up for the talent show, I don't want to be the only one. And so, if you have a talent, whether it's a visual talent, maybe you paint, or you're an artist, or you do photography, or maybe you do something like underwater basket weaving, or uh, if you play, if you sing, we want to just be together and celebrate the gifts and things that you have to, uh, to bring. You can be a kid and share your talent. You can be an adult or a group and share your talent. There's fun for everybody. If you have questions about that, uh, the talent show or the fair, the connection kiosk out in the gathering area, Kelly will be there to answer questions about the fall harvest fair. Lastly, today we are gathering around the communion table together, and this Sunday uh, uh, we are taking an offering for the World Service Fund. Uh, One of the ways that we are in mission and ministry around the world is through things like the World Service Fund. It's an opportunity for us to support the efforts to make disciples and to spread the good news of Jesus around our world in different ways. Also, today is World Communion Sunday, and if you haven't heard of that, around the world today, the first Sunday in October, many Christian denominations in many places around the world gather at the table together to be reminded of God's grace that we receive without merit, without cost. Pastor John. Thank you, Pastor Ryan. You want to tell us what you're going to do on that talent show? I'll be playing and singing. All right. Well, there you go. But, All right. but, but what, what are you doing? We've got to kill one. We don't have time to, <laughs> to, to talk about that. Uh, I'm... <laughs> It's good to be with you, everybody. I'm John Spate, lead pastor here. Go ahead and find your Christ Church notes. Go ahead and pull them out of your worship program, if you would. Find a pen or a pencil. You'll want to jot a few things down along the way as we continue in this series called Greater Things. You know, I am convinced, utterly convinced, convinced with every fiber of my being that God has called us to greater things. Because wherever the, the, the Lord is present, no matter how good our past has been, the best is always yet to be. The best is always yet to be. You know, last week, I want to give you a quick overview from last week to bring everybody up to speed. Last week, I talked about the very beginning origins of, uh, of our church. Uh, the, the, first, the first five years or four years, the first four years or so of, uh, of us being a congregation, a, a church uh, called Christ Church, and what was going on during that time. You know, one of the things that I I started to do was I I told you two uh, stories of the Israelites and how God brought them out of Egypt and then finally got them over into the promised land. And just like the Israelite story, we too, all along our journey, have known two things for sure. This is what God has taught us. Number one, that the Lord is with us. That's the first thing. I want you to write that in. You know, we know that we know that we know that we know 
that the Lord is with us every step of the journey. He was with the Israelites in every way, shape, and form along that journey for 40 years, and he's always been with us too. The second thing we learned last week is this, that we are here by the grace of God. That we didn't just, well, the Israelites just didn't stumble into the promised land, and neither did we stumble here onto uh, 7600 Ox Road in Fairfax Station. God has done incredible things, and we are here only by the grace of God. Only by the grace of God. Now, if you remember from last week, you know, back in 1992 when I got here, the church was really struggling. Christ Church was struggling. I was told by my boss, our, my district superintendent, that uh, I had, uh, that to, one of two things was going to happen. Now, this was uh, uh, July in 1992, so he said it's going to happen by July 1993, one of two things. We were either going to grow or we were going to have to close. The church would cease to exist in July of 1993. It would simply be closed. You know, and you say, well, why in the world would, would the church be closed? Well, number one, when they couldn't afford my salary. And number two, they couldn't afford the rent at Silverbrook Elementary School. So, I mean, it was really struggling. We were just barely keeping our head above water. And if it wasn't for the Alexandria district of our denomination who, who, who uh, put some money into us, it, if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't even be able to stay afloat for that entire year. So that's the struggle. I mean, we were really struggling. And there were only like 35 people. 30 to 35 people in all of Christ Church. Christ Church was 35 people back then in 1992. Now, but something happened in 1993 that completely changed the trajectory of the church. From, now think about this. From a church that was on the brink of closing, uh, a church that was, on the, that was really plugged in the life support, to where we are today, that is nothing but short of miraculous. And God pulled off something among the leaders of Christ Church that, that completely changed the direct uh, trajectory of the church. You know, as, we, as the, the church leaders began meeting together, we began praying together, we began studying God's Word, we, we, uh, we read Rick Warren's Purpose Driven Church book, we, we did a number of things together and we were praying that somehow, some way, God would show us who He wanted Christ Church to be. You know, there were already other churches surrounding us, but what was Christ Church to be? What was going to make us different? What would make us stand out? Why would anybody want to join the people of Christ Church meeting in an elementary school when they could go elsewhere? You know, that was the big question. And then in 1993... God revealed to us something that completely changed our direction. The entire trajectory of this church changed. And what was it? God gave us a God-sized dream and a God-sized vision that was beyond anything that we could ever begin to think or imagine. Began bigger than anything, any one of us Bigger than any two of us, or three of us, or four of us, or in fact, it was bigger than all 35 of us. This God-sized dream. And here's what God gave us. 
And it's been a dream, by the way, a vision that has been driving us ever since, even to this very day. Here it is. We believe that Christ's church is God's church, and we desire to follow where he leads. Believing that God calls his people to live by faith, we believe God's vision for Christ's church to be a place where everyone is welcomed in an atmosphere of love and acceptance, where forgiveness abounds and encouragement thrives. A place where the good news of Jesus Christ can be shared with all the residents, not only of our nearby community, but all of Northern Virginia. A place where thousands of people are welcomed into the life, ministry, and mission of the church. A church family that laughs and cries together, that lives in harmony with each other. A place where every believer will be equipped to use their spiritual gifts in ministry at home, at work, and play. A place where every believer will be nurtured and discipled into spiritual maturity through Bible study, retreats, seminars, and small groups. A place from where we will send one missionary to every continent around the world and send our mission, our members in mission pro, on mission projects both in the United States and around the world. A place that births another church somewhere in Northern Virginia a place on enough land to be a regional church, a church with attractive, efficient facilities for worship, Christian education, a Christian school, youth center, counseling center, and elder care. Although this vision is beyond our ability and resources, it is well within the ability of the one who has revealed it to us. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what's been driving this church ever since. How in the world could a church of 35 people ever dream a dream like that? How in the world could a church of 35 people who couldn't pay the pastor his salary and couldn't pay the rent on the school ever dream about a church that would be a regional church on enough land to make it possible? Or where we're welcoming thousands of people into the life, ministry, and mission of the church. How in the world could a church that was struggling in such a way ever even think that we could do any of these things. And I'll tell you what it is. It has everything to do with faith. It has everything to do with faith. You are a part of a church that has amazing faith and an incredible God that we know has never failed. We look back at the story of the Israelites and we recognize that God, even though they didn't understand it, was guiding, directing, leading, and providing every step of the way. We've looked back over our shoulder and say, you know what, God? You've done the same with us. Every single solitary step along the way, you've made it possible that you're with us and we are here only by your grace and therefore we're going to trust that you are going to do what you promised to do and that's what's happening right here at Christ Church in fact one of the verses we held on in those early days was this without faith it is what what's that word impossible to do what that's right so without faith it is what impossible to please God. So how do we please God? We please God by faith. That's right. We please God by faith. I don't think that it's, a, uh, that it's uh, just by chance or by circumstance that we're here. 
It is because we have, a, we have a leaders in this church who are willing to hold on with all they've got to the faith in God who has promised to carry us forward. That's what makes the difference in this church. That's what changes everything about who we are. You know, this church is full of people who want to be here, who are worshiping here because they want to be here, not because they've got to be here, not because of guilt, but because we want to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who is the great I am, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. That's what God has called us to do, and that's why we're here. And as long as he gives us breath, we're going to keep doing it because I believe with every fiber of my being that he has called you and I to greater things. As wonderful as our past has been, God has called us even to greater things. So over the next couple of minutes, actually about 15 minutes, uh, you need to put some seatbelts on because we're going to go through 25 years of history in about 15 minutes. All right, 25 years of history in about 15 minutes as we look over our shoulder to see where God has brought us from to where we are today. And it begins back in 1993 after the vision was set, we began to say, okay, well, why would anybody come to Christ Church if we're just like everybody else? So one of the things that we decided to do is that we were going to change our style of worship. And we began to change our style of worship from traditional to contemporary worship. In fact, we were the very first church in our denomination in the state of Virginia to have contemporary worship. Uh, and that's Christ Church has been a leader in that. We're a leader in the way and our style of worship and contemporary worship within our denomination. So we're first in Virginia to worship in a contemporary style and we changed the way that we worship beginning in 1993. And you know, even then the church began to grow. It began to grow. We began to get some traction because we weren't just like any, every other uh, church, a cookie-cutter church on the corner. We were reaching into people's lives who have thought long ago that God hadn't had anything to say to me since I was a kid in Sunday school. But come to find out that God has plenty to say to us even today. You know, the word of mouth began to go all across our community. In fact, we began to be known as the Rock and Roll Church of Fairfax Station in 1993. That's what what my contemporaries were calling me. Some of the neighbors were calling us that. The Rock and Roll Church of Fairfax Station. So I just embraced and I said, yep, that's who we are. And if it takes rock and roll to reach people for Jesus, here we go. Here we go. We're going to worship just like that if people come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. In 1994, you know, we had grown enough in that year that we were able to do the miraculous. We broke ground on a five-acre piece of property next to the uh, Cross Point Community Center in pool number one over on Glen Eagles Lane and broke ground. You can see that even the kids had shovels there. They were breaking ground on that piece of property, and the church began to grow, and all of a sudden, up out of the ground starts coming our church over on Glen Eagles Lane. It was an amazing moment. We, we didn't believe that was going to even be possible 
And yet, just uh, the, uh, two years earlier, and uh, within two years, God had taken a church that couldn't pay the pastor's salary, couldn't afford the rent at the school, and we were building a church, building our own spot over on that land. And then, while the church was still under construction, you can see it under construction right there, while the church was under construction, my wife had what I considered to be a harebrained idea. Just the craziest idea I'd ever heard of. She had the idea to do a children's consignment sale. And so in the cafeteria at Silverbrook Elementary School, we had our very first children's consignment sale. She kept saying, I kept saying, what, do, what in the world, why would we do that? And she said, look, she said, not only is it the ultimate in recycling, John, but this is a way to get the word out to our community that we're here. And we are reaching into the community where people who can't afford to clothe their children for a season will be able to do so with grace and dignity at price that they can afford and allow their kids to have clothing that they would never be able to afford on their own. And so I said, well... We'll give it a shot. <laughs> and so what, how many years has that been? 25 years, I guess, right? 25 years later, just three weeks ago, two weeks ago, we had our children's consignment sale. Unbelievable how that works. I should have listened to my wife a long time ago. And then, and then on Memorial Day weekend of that same year of 1995, we moved into our very first building ever. This was on the very first uh, Sunday in, uh, in our building on Glen Eagles Lane. And, you know, and I will say, you know, up to that time in my life, up to that time in my life, life had been pretty, uh, pretty stable, pretty easy. But at that Sunday, or on that Sunday, I was the most afraid of any point up to that time in my life. I was scared to death on that Sunday. I remember walking in early on Sunday morning and opening the door and thinking, oh my goodness, what have we done? How are we ever going to afford this place? You know, we had a, we had a mortgage of a million dollars. How were we ever going to deal with that? How are we going to pay the light bill? How are we ever going to, we can even, we're going to have to use cans and a string. We can't afford the telephone bill. What were we going to do? And yet, just look around. Look where God has taken us. You know, when we look back over our shoulders, and I'll tell you why we got to keep looking back, because like I said last week, you and I, we've got short memories. We forget what God has done. And whenever we come up to a problem, we think, oh my goodness, God, are you really going to take care of us? Even though every step of the way along the journey up to that point, God has always provided, always cared for us, always uh, provided for us. And, but we think, okay, God, but what have you done for me lately? You know, but yet he's done everything for us. And that's why we keep looking back and saying, look what God has done in our midst through people like you and me to do 
what God is accomplishing in this world to, to even today where there's a, uh, people who are worshiping with us uh, today from Germany, from Greece, from India, from other places around the world. We are a part of a worldwide community. It's incredible. So, as we go on, by the way, once we moved in, uh, that September we started Green Tree Christian Preschool, and then we had outgrown it in six months, the whole place, and had to add two new trailers in the parking lot. We divided those up at, uh, into five spaces in order to have space for our children. Our children were continuing to grow. And as we, uh, as we added more uh, those trailers, we began thinking, okay, we need some new property. Even though we had just built on that property a few years earlier, we knew that we could not fulfill the vision that God had given us on those five acres over in Cross Point when we were hemmed in. What did we need? We needed property on a major highway so that we could live into this vision of being this regional church that God was calling us to be. So the very first place we looked at, the very first piece of property we looked at was right here. In fact, somewhere along this aisle right here, there was a fence that went through, that kept horses up here, and right here, we stood on this side of the fence, looking in this direction to look at this piece of property. I remember that distinctly. And then, when we contacted the family, they said no. They were not interested in selling. They did not want to sell. They had no intention of selling, and... That was it. And so the dream seemed to be shattered a bit. But we started looking for some other property and nothing just seemed to work out so we just put everything on hold for a while. Then in 2000 we did something that was, that was far out of our comfort zone or I should say far out of my comfort zone. We went on our first international mission. And we went to Russia. And what you don't know, I bet, many of you don't know, is that the people of Christ Church actually were instrumental in starting two churches in southern Russia. Two churches that exist today, the Stavropol Church and the Piatigorsk Church in southern Russia are there today, and people are worshiping in those churches because of you. Right shortly after the Iron Curtain fell, we went to Russia. Matter of fact, this Stavropol church was meeting in the basement of an apartment building because at that particular point, churches could not own property. Or if they could, it was so arduous for them to be able to do so that uh, the only thing that we could really do was meet in a room that was maybe 15 feet by 15 feet in the basement of an apartment building. But that was the beginning of the start of two new churches that are thriving right now in southern Russia and people are coming to know Jesus because of you in a country far, far away. But in 2003, after we had put off thinking about land, I got a phone call. And it was from the family who owned this piece of property. And they said, we've thought about it and we want your church to be on our family's property. How can we make that happen? 
And the rest begins to be history. You know the rest of the story because we're here. You know, what God has done over times of, of, of struggling and yet we're called to be faithful in the struggle. We didn't know how God was going to do it. We didn't know how, but we truly believed that he was. He was going to make a piece of property available. And get this, people. This is the, at the time, this was the largest piece of undeveloped property on 123 from the city of Fairfax down to the Occoquan River. And the Lord allowed us to have it. That is an incredible gift from God. That just shows what God is doing right here in our midst. So we started calling this the promised land. And now in 2007, as you can see on your, your timeline, 2007, something happened that really began to change everything about uh, our whole understanding of international mission. And that is we went on a, our, first inter, uh, excuse me, our first trip to Africa. There were 14 of us that went uh, to, uh, to Kenya. And let me explain this. You know, when we went, we had no idea if God was really calling us to be in ministry and mission on the continent of Africa, or even where in Africa. But we had gotten an invitation to go to the country of Kenya. And so I asked people if they were willing, if they were willing to come with me to explore and, and seek, the, seek the guidance of God as to whether or not God was calling us to any mission on the continent of Africa. So when we got to Kenya, and we're, we were in Nairobi, all the missions that we were supposed to see were actually right around the capital of Nairobi. And so we went, and we saw several missions, and they were all well run, and they were, there were some compelling reasons why we should choose one of them. But the team never came really together to say that, that this is what God was calling us to do, to be about as a church. And so we were two days away from leaving Nairobi to fly back home when someone in Africa said to us, I would like to invite you to take a ride with me out to my hometown. It's, it's a little village six hours away from Nairobi in far western Kenya. And he said, the roads are horrible. There is no electricity. There is no running water. And there is no school. Are you willing to even come see it? And I talked to the team and they said, yeah, let's go. So we went out to far western Kenya and by the time we got there on those roads, I was convinced that God was not calling us <laughs> to a mission out there in the bushes. That is, until we met a woman named Agnes and 40 small children. Now, Agnes was not a teacher. She had no degree. She was just the, wife, the, the daughter of a local farmer. And she had found an abandoned shack that had two rooms in it. Again, there are no lights. So there was just, and, and no windows on there. I mean, there were windows, but there's holes. And so the two classes of kids, she got together, 40 kids, 20 in each one of these little spaces. 
and they would sit on the ground because there were no desks, there was no pencils, there was no paper, there was no chalk, there were no chalkboards, there, was no, there were no books, there was nothing in the classroom except everybody squeezed together like this, 20 kids sitting on the ground in the dust, and when the teacher would teach, they would write their word or their math problem on, in the dust, in the dirt, on the ground directly in front of them. And so when the teacher would walk around to check their work, she would be looking in the dust and would make the correction in the dust or erase the dirt, and then they would start again on another lesson. That was the education system in Sakwa, Kenya. As we got to meet the kids, to talk with them, to, to be with Agnes, we recognized that God had captured our hearts. We also started thinking, if we don't, if we don't step into this, God has not, I don't, we don't believe that God just simply brought us out there by accident because if we don't step into this, who will? In fact, in 2007, when we came to the little village of Sakwa, we, uh, the, 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 those of us who were Caucasian, were the first Caucasian faces that had ever been in that village. That is how remote they were. And yet today, there is a school in Sakwa, Kenya, because of you. There is a school there that had grown to, get this, 405 students. From kindergarten through eighth grade, that is what you've made possible. That's what you've made possible. And you're changing people's lives. Not only do they get the one, two, threes and the ABCs, but they get Jesus. And that just today, there is, a, there is a sign on the side of a dirt road in the middle of nowhere, somewhere in Kenya, that says, Hope Educational Center. And then right underneath, it says, Christ Church, Fairfax Station, Virginia. And I'll show you the... And that, that is worth clapping for. It is. <laughs> So we built the building first. This is our first building that we built for them on leased land. You can see it's made of nothing but mud and sticks. And, and here they're getting ready to install the water catchment system. So, because I said there's no running water. There's no electricity or anything. And so the water catchment system is just getting in place. And all these kids are having an education because of us. But then go to the next one. Next picture. There you go. Let's keep it right there for a minute. In 2012, we got a notice from the Kenya Board of Education that said that they're going to close our school, shut us down. They're going to shut us down because they deemed that, number one, that the property that we had leased was too small. Number two, that the building was not permanent because it, even though it had aluminum roof, it was made out of mud and stick and, and uh, had a dirt floor, but they were on sitting in desks and had chalkboards and everything. But yet, the Kenya Board of Education was going to close us down. 
So in 2012, what did we do? But we rallied as a church, and we raised some money. And go ahead to the next picture. We built this building right here. We bought land that belongs now to us at Christ Church and built this building for the 405 students that call this their school, Hope Education Center by Christ Church in Fairfax Station, Virginia. And today the school has grown by so much, they've added a temporary structure over here. Uh, actually, it's over it's over right in this area in front. And we are removing the roof because we built the foundation such in a way that we could actually put a second floor on. So right now we are removing the roof, uh, this side. We're removing the roof right here and are building this part of the second floor. And in uh, August of next year, in July, uh, excuse me, August of 2019, we're going as a church-wide opportunity. I've got 60 seats on an airplane. If you want to go with us to, to, uh, to be in that spot to help us continue to build this place, to have vacation Bible school for these kids and, and be a part of uh, this community and seeing these kids and loving on these kids, you'll have an opportunity to do so. You just got to email me at uh, jspate at christchurchva.org. All right, I got to get moving here. So let's, get, let's keep on going. I can get caught up there because that's a big part of who we are as Christ Church is what God is using us here in Kenya. But in 2013, finally, 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 the Lord made it possible. Uh, a bank was willing to loan us the money, uh, $12.5 million to build this structure right here. And uh, what... The problem was our, our church on Glen Eagles Lane wasn't selling. Seventy churches looked at that building and they didn't buy it. And we, we thought, well, this is a great spot, but they didn't want it. And so we began to pray. I, at the end of each worship service... I would ask the congregation to come up, and if you wanted to, everybody, you could go home if you want to, but people could come up, and we'd hold hands, and we would have about a minute or two in prayer that God would provide a buyer. Within six weeks, it was sold for a quarter of a million dollars more than we had asked. The moment we began to gather and pray, and we broke ground, on this building, right there. There's Deborah, Merrill, and Tim Beatty and me. And then this next one, I just had to put this in. Look at this. <laughs> There's Brian Green photobombing uh, our uh, groundbreaking here on this spot. And then on Sunday, June 26, in 2015, the people of Christ Church worshiped at the old space the one last time and then began the three and a half mile walk down Silverbrook Road and down 123 as we crossed 123 over here to this property for the very first time. And there we are as a church on July 26, 2015. I remember that there's me right there. I remember that just as it was yesterday. And you know, I, 
I said before, you know, we've got to keep looking back. Because if we don't look back, we can't appreciate where we are. And if we don't look back, we can't appreciate where God is taking us in our future. And over the last few years, you just think about this. In the last three years, in the last three years since that picture was taken, look at this. We've, we've begun a possibilities ministry to minister to families with special needs. We have, uh, uh, we're, we're building our second floor on our school in Kenya. We've started a summer camp ministry. We have uh, online church campus. Pastor Tony is with us and uh, folks worshiping with us all around the world. God bless you who are worshiping with us today. The young adults and young family ministry has begun. Emergency response team and trailer. That's going to be heading out to North Carolina with the team in the next couple of weeks. Uh, every month we, be, we make 700 sandwiches and pass them out to the homeless along Route 1. Do you know that? That's what this church does every month. And then the last two years, together we rise against hunger with our uh, Jewish friends next door. We have packed 550,000 meals that have gone around the world. And you know, when I look at this, I realize that, that the Lord has been with us and we are only here by the grace of God. When you think about the fact that you know, a few years ago, we, we were at the point of nearly closing. And think about where we are today and what God has been doing. And I'll tell you the reason why. Look at this scripture right here, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I love this. I love it. Because he says, here, and here's what drives us, and that is trust in the Lord with all your heart. But look at this next line. Because it says, do not depend on your own understanding. Let me tell you, if you look at this vision right here on the front of your outline in this next page, you look at that and you think, if you're leaning on your own understanding, you're thinking, these people are nutso. There is no way 35 people meeting in an elementary school could ever accomplish anything like this. But yet, look where God has taken us. Lean not on your own understanding because you're trusting in the Lord with all your heart. And then, what do you do? Seek His will in all you do. And what? He will show you which path to take. And that's exactly what the Lord has done. And so now that leads us to this. What's next? Where are we going? What's God calling us to do and be about? Well, about 30 days ago, I got a telephone call uh, from our neighbors next door. They own the house between us and the temple next door, right behind this wall, right? There's the house right there. And uh, there is uh, five acres of property, five acres right on 123, immediately adjacent to our land. And... Uh, right on the other side of them is, our, uh, is the Jewish temple. They, I, I, well, let me say something about them, first of all. The, the, uh, their name's Mike and Mickey Beavers, and they're wonderful people. They, uh, they go to another church uh, up in Springfield, and, uh, but yet, back in 2013, when we were working on getting uh, approval from Fairfax County to allow us to build here, this couple 
went before the board of supervisors and said, no matter what anybody else in this community says, we are the people that are the closest in proximity to their land and this church. We are the ones who will be most affected by this church being right next door to us. And yet, we are their supporters. And the county heard that. Even though people way over on the other side, way back there, in another neighborhood off of Henderson Road, were complaining, were saying how we were going to ruin their lives, how we were, you know, their entire lifestyle would be changed and ruined because of Christ Church here. These people said, we want them. And the county heard that and allowed us to build on this property. Uh, 30 days ago, they called and said that they were retiring and were moving to their, near their grandchildren in Houston, Texas. And they would like Christ Church to have their piece of property in their home. 4,000 square foot of home, five acres. And they said, we will let the church have it for far less than the tax value that Fairfax County charges. And I said, what is that? And they said, we will sell it to the church for $800,000. And if you know anything about real estate, <laughs> how many acres of land did I say? How big is that house? 4,000 square feet. And get this. They said, if this will help you, we will sell it furnished, including the silverware and the glasses in the cupboard. And so you might be thinking, well, what's the possibilities here? Well, I've thought about that. And I think that this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for us at Christ Church. A once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to get a piece of land, at least in probably in my lifetime anyway, uh, to get a piece of land with a home on it right next to where we are. What could we do? Well, let's say we get the church, I mean, get the, get the land, but we do nothing but rent the house. Say for the next couple of years. Think about the income that that would put, income stream, that that would come back into this church if we're able to do that. For mission and ministry, to pay this thing off. What if there is, behind this, there is a four-bay barn with a huge fireplace in it, right behind the house. Four huge bays and a fireplace. What if in this backyard and including that, we, we dreamed about turning this into a wedding venue for a while and had kind of a destination wedding kind of thing going on right there as a possibility. Who knows? What if 
What if sometime in the future, because our commitment to, to families with special needs, what if sometime in the future we were able to take this house and this house becomes a respite house for families with special needs who never get a break from caring for their adult child. But yet, we can provide a, an overnight for this one with special needs who's loved and cared for while their mom and dad can have a date night once a month. Or that they could actually go to the grocery store. What if? It's all about the what ifs. You know, and those are just, those are just some opportunities that are available if we have it. And, and get this, you, here, here's God's grand sense of humor. When we were planning this piece of property right here, we asked the county, this is just beyond my belief, but we asked the county if they would be willing to create a, what's called an interparcel access so that if one day, if by chance, when I'm long gone and dead, that the people next door ever uh, allow us to have that property, that we would have an access directly from our parking lot into their, that piece of property. And the county said, sure. So back in 2013, on our use permit to be on this piece of property, there is, drawn on the paper, an access to that piece of property that we didn't own, that we didn't have, that we never even dreamed that could possibly be ours. Accident? By chance? I doubt it. Are we going to be able to do it? I'm going to talk to you about that next week a little bit more. And here's the last thing, and I know we got to get on. I promise I'll make it quick. And this one is not a sexy thing, all right? I'll just tell you right now. We need, I believe, to increase our cash reserves, and I'll tell you why. A few weeks ago, we heard that there was a, another bank in the area, in Northern Virginia, who, wanted to, who wants to, has approached us, to take on our loan. And if we have $600,000 in cash reserves, they would structure our loan to save us ten dollars to $12,000 in interest payments every month. Think about that. Ten dollars to $12,000 Every month saved. That is, if we have some cash reserves sitting in the bank, they would be willing to do the loan. And they approached us. We didn't approach them, they approached us. So where are we going? You know, we've got solid ministry heading out. We, we are doing incredible things. But I think this is all about our future now. We're all about making our future settled for the coming generations and for what God may be doing right here in our own midst. And so, 
As we go forth to be God's people here in just a few moments, we're going to gather around the table for, for communion over uh, the next five or six minutes. But I want you to pray. How can I be a part of what God is doing in this place? What is, what is my role? Ask yourself, what is my role in this? How can I make this kind of thing happen for my church that's meant so much to me? That is going to be the question that moves us forward. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for all good gifts that you give. You never fail us. You've got, no matter how, well, no matter how great our past has been, and it's been pretty cool, we know that with you, Lord, the best is yet to be. Thank you so much. We love you, Lord. We praise you. You've called us to greater things. And here we go. Guide us, Lord, as we come around the table so that we may be yours. In Jesus' name, amen.